probably most of the country like, whoa, this coming weekend. They're like, whoa, you know, how hard he goes. They're like, whoa, the kid was going to throw for 500 yards. They're like, whoa, you know, how hard he goes. They're like, whoa, and this is his opportunity to take it and run with it. They're like, whoa. They're like, whoa. They're like, whoa. They're like, whoa. It's the 11 Dubcast, everybody. We're back again, and I am Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. And it's time to talk a little bit about uh, what we just saw on Saturday night. I don't know what that was, but we saw it, and <laughs> it we're going to talk about that. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about the upcoming game against Illinois, and then there's uh, some shenanigans we have to discuss, yes. because uh, shenanigans do happen sometimes. Okay, so anyway, we're going to talk about, Johnny, uh, the Penn State game. What are your What's your thoughts overall? What's your take on the game? I mean, you know, like, obviously it was cool for a half and then not cool for another half. And then it got cool again. Um, I don't know. The offense didn't look great, but I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Like, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I was really hoping that they would have a better performance. And I think that's why everybody's really disappointed right now. Not necessarily because they gutted out a win on the road at night in Happy Valley, but I think they're just kind of PO'd because people wanted to see them continue their dominance that they had been showing the past several games. And you didn't see that. And people were like, well, now I'm mad. And I get that. I understand that. I felt the same way. But I think overall it was a pretty solid performance, at least from the defensive side. And the offensive side really wasn't terrible. It was just a couple really dumb decisions kept Penn State in the game. And I, I without those interceptions, I really think that it's like a, you know, it's like a thirty-one to ten or a thirty-one to seven game at the end of the at the end of the night. So I, you know, those kind of things can turn a game around. I'm not super disappointed about it. I will like, I will be disappointed if they don't show any improvement against Michigan State. But you know, I I think that's kind of it's a little premature to be calling for like the death of Ohio State football right now, which some people seem to be wanting to do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it seemed like they were going to cruise. They they took the first possession down, scored a touchdown, they had 17 points pretty early on, and then they just started to stall out a little bit, I think, into the half, and things sort of slowed down for them, and then the the, the third play of the second half kind of made them crap their pants a little bit, right. it seemed like. Um, young team, on the road, very hostile environment, and it looked like things were kind of under control uh, until that pick six. And, um, you know, kudos to Penn State, that was a good play call go into the uh, show the blitz and then go into the zone blitz out of it and drop uh, Zettler into that zone right. They knew exactly where the hot route was on that play. And uh, freshman gone a freshman. Right. And, uh, you know, fell for the trap and uh, through the pick. And I think from my perspective, the most disappointing thing about it is 40-yard return from a defensive lineman uh, (laughs) for a touchdown. Um, Right. That didn't sit well with me. It's like we talk about all the speed on the team, and, and I guess you know the vicinity of that dude. Yeah, I mean, it obviously, you know, I didn't know this at the time that Barrett was working on a gimpy knee. That probably cost him a chance to make the play. But um, yeah, other guys that probably. At it. I mean, to his credit, yeah. you know, he didn't just stop on the play. Like he tried to push the guy out before he got in the end zone. But yeah, it was it was dumb. Um, but again, you're right. It's it's a freshman kind of mistake, and that's that's the kind of thing that you're going to get. Mm-hmm. It didn't cost us the game, and and that's the thing. Like I'm cool with just surviving, and advancing at this point because, you know, here's my biggest thing right now. I still am not convinced that this is like a college football playoff team, and I wasn't convinced when they were beating the crap out of crappy teams. I am obviously not convinced that after a narrow win, you know, in Happy Valley. So, like, 
I'm not really sweating it. I just want to see improvement. Um, mm-hmm. I think you saw that from the defense at the very least. And I, you know, if you want to take positives from this game, it's starting to become a defense that you're like, oh, okay, they're good. You know what I mean? Like, not great, but they're almost approaching good. And that's that's kind of a nice thing to see, I think. Yeah, I, I actually thought that the defensive line would blow up the offensive line a little more. They did in the run game, uh, tremendous did a tremendous oh, job yeah. against the run. Um, Penn State couldn't run at all. I, I did think we would see more Penn State offensive linemen sitting around on the ground after plays on pass plays than we did. But um, still, it was a good performance, I think, by the defense overall. couple of mistakes. Um, would have loved to have seen that actual Curtis Grant penalty that they never bothered replaying. Um, <laughs> right. to see if it really was a penalty. I didn't think Joey Bosa roughed the quarterback. I thought he got kind of held and, and tumbled to the ground coming through and ended up rolling up Christian Hackenberg, but I don't think it was intentional by any stretch of the imagination. Well, you know what? Kind of a, let's, talk about the, let's talk about the officiating a little bit. Um, we, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> I think it was definitely it was gifted bad. a couple there, I think. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were helped out a bit, and um, you can say that uh, Penn State maybe should have won the game, but then you start to... Look at the balance sheet a little bit. Right. Look at the times that uh, look at the times that Bosa was held and nothing was called. Not just Bosa. I mean, there was some. There was just some a lot of bear hugging going on on some oh, of those was, fast plays. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, you can. I think both both sides have the right to say these officials should never call another game. Yeah. I mean, I think I made. I was making jokes on Twitter about how they should be dismantled and sold for scrap and all kinds of other things. But uh, and this was, you know. Again, on both sides. I mean, I don't think necessarily that you can you can say that uh, you know they were they were worse for one team than the other. The more egregious calls certainly went Ohio State's way, I think. But then again, I think there were some calls that really helped Penn State tie the game up late. So right. um, it, it's sort of balances out a little bit in the long run if they're that bad both ways. So only, uh, Big Ten, you need to do better. They do need to be better. The only thing that I want to say though is that I just think that. You know, I don't want to be that that fan that's like, oh man, you know, like, you know, you didn't, you don't have anything to complain about the officials. Well, like, I think it's important right. that we at least acknowledge that yes, Penn State got screwed a little bit, especially in the interception. They did early, yeah. The early they got they got screwed pretty good, and and my thought initially was that you know. Everybody was complaining, oh, the ball hit the ground, obviously. Well, the ball can actually touch the ground. That's not the deciding factor. The deciding factor is whether or not he had possession. And I don't think he had possession. I said that on Twitter. And people were like, oh, but the the ball obviously hit the ground. I'm like, well, that's not the deciding factor. Uh, Yes, he didn't catch it. There's no question about that. But the way Penn State looked defensively on that first drive, I don't think it mattered where Ohio State took over the ball. I think they were coming down, scoring a touchdown anyway. I mean, they couldn't stop. Ezekiel Elliott at all in the first quarter. Right, and that was the frustrating thing because the game, like, you would like to see Ohio State with the offense that they have, or the weapons they have on offense, to start to take over the game as it goes on, you know what I mean? Instead of regress. Right. And and that's what it looked like was happening, is that they were starting to regress the longer the game went, and that's not what you want to see. That is the opposite of what you want to see. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like, JT Barrett still you know, completed a pretty high percentage of his passes, but, like, it just seemed like they didn't get anything going. There was a lack of create creativity in terms of, like, Tom Herman's play calling. It yes. seemed like even the simple plays were working that well. I, I think sometimes, and this is something that I, I said on Twitter, I think a lot of times, you know, 
coaches will look at something that's not working. So they'll have their basic plays and like, all right, this is what we want to run to kind of establish some things. And if those are working, they, I think, kind of clench up a little bit and go, well, if the simple stuff isn't working, then there is no way that anything more creative (laughs) will work, right? Because if they can stop our simple stuff, there is no way they can, you know, like we're going to get away with our more creative, like goofy stuff. And I I think that's a bad approach because I think – defensives don't really work that way. I think if they're keying on the simple stuff, you've got to go crazy to to force them to start considering certain things and like not throwing to the tight ends as much, you know, not going downfield, uh, you know, except, you know, some token like bombs that no one really is fooled by at all. Like I just felt like there was a lack of creativity overall. And I think that hurt Ohio state, you know, overall, I mean, you know, like Dontre Wilson getting five, you know, carries for 20 yards and a lot of wildcat stuff is cool, but Mm -hmm. you want to see JT Barrett distributing more from the quarterback position rather than just conceding it to a wildcat formation because nobody's fooled by the wildcat. Nobody's running out of the wildcat. All right. Dontre Wilson is probably not throwing any kind of bombs. Jalen Marshall might uh, because of his, you know, past experience. Background is a, yeah. Yeah. But that's not something we've seen, and I don't think any defense, you know, is really going to be fooled by that. So I, I think they need to be a little more clever schematically than they were. And, and you know, Penn State's got a good defense, and they're going to key on stuff if we just keep doing it. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen them utilize the middle of the field more. Um, I thought that it was pointed out during the broadcast, and you could see it, the Penn State safeties were playing very deep. And it looked like there was some middle-of-the-field area they could have exploited there, but they chose not to do it when they did. And Urban Meyer said that they took shots down the field and tried to make something happen, take control of the game, put the game away, which is great. But it's hard to throw deep against a a team that's playing deep. You need to really hit hit something underneath and hope a guy breaks a tackle and takes it to the house. And you've got Mm -hmm. guys like Michael Thomas that have shown they can do that. And we really never hit like that deep slant route or those square ends that we've been hitting all season long. And uh, it, 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 it kind of pains me to see certain games where most of the playbook is out the window. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's what frustrates a lot of people. Right. And if people, well, it's a big game. We want to keep it simple, blah, blah. I, you know, again, it's just, it is frustrating. And, you know, Mike Thomas is a great example of this. He's been an incredible wide receiver this year for Ohio State. Like, yes. Legitimately really good. He had one catch for three yards. Like that, yeah, and that's the, the wide receivers as a whole. Three catches, ten yards. Right, and that shouldn't happen. That absolutely should not happen. So, you know, it, it's, again, one of those things where you would hope they would have pulled something out of their bag a little bit. Although, I mean, the argument could also be made, I think, that, you know, Ohio State was such prohibitive favorites in this game that maybe they felt they didn't have to. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. Ezekiel Elliott, I think, had a better game than maybe some people will give him credit for because the the offensive line did not do a great job at all against no and El- and Elliot they they kind of went away from him after having some early success yeah. and that was a little bit um I was sad to see that but uh anyway not a, not overall the game we wanted to see but I think um important that a young team pulled that game out after falling behind like that yeah absolutely yeah especially especially given that like all of the momentum was on Penn State's side in the second mm-hmm. half and it you know, for JT Barry, you know, as crappy as a game as he had before overtime, he dominated overtime. He looked like a guy who was going to win that game. And I, like, the minute I saw him score that first touchdown, I was like, all right, this is done. Like, JT Barrett will score touchdowns all night if he has to, to to beat Penn State. So that gave me a lot of confidence. And, you know, it was really cool to see him kind of, you know, get his head right and really kind of do what he needed to do at the end of the game there. 
Yeah, he became a real true leader of the team there for sure. Uh, Johnny, let's t- turn our uh, our eyes forward to the Illinois Fighting Illini Yay. this Saturday night, a night game at the Shoe for the Wooden Turtle Trophy. Yay! Illabuck. Um, I had a bunch of tweets today, Illabuck facts. I don't know if you saw that. They were kind of goofy and out there just kind of trying to just drum up some conversation. But uh, what are your actual thoughts on the Illabuck? Is it is it an important trophy? Is it exciting to win it? Does it matter at all? <laughs> Uh, no to all of those, but it's still my favorite trophy in all of college sports. I don't give a crap. Like, it's not important. It's not, like, a dramatic, like, I don't care about the rivalry. I just love the idea that we have a wooden turtle as a trophy. I just think that's terrific. And the Big Ten, I wrote about this at 11 Warriors a couple years ago. Like, the Big Ten has the best trophies in all of, like, not just college sports, maybe just sports, period. Like, they're just so ridiculous and insane. Like, we have about, like, two axes and a spittoon, and a jug, jug. and a yeah, yeah. and a wooden turtle, and like this, who, the land-grant trophy, what's Michigan State, and who else? Penn State, maybe? I don't recall. I don't know. I can't remember. But it, that's just like a giant hunk of wood, basically. Like, they <laughs> took a bunch of, like, pieces of wood and sanded them down and, like, lacquered them and, like, stuck them together. Like, Didn't somebody break a trophy last yeah, year? Yeah, they got the like, Or a year before? Like, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> The Big Ten is great in, in the in terms of trophies, and Illabuck is amazing. Every time Walt makes a poster for the Illabuck, that is amazing. Uh, yes. I just I just have a, I just think it's fun. I think it's a really cool you know cultural thing, and it's just I don't know. I enjoy it. I enjoy like the students getting on one side of the stadium, and, like passing the turtle down amongst each other for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's silly, and I. I almost wish it were still a live turtle, but, you know, considering we killed the last one, I guess maybe, you know. Yeah. Isn't it funny? And, like, here, here's the other thing I thought about. Like, you know how, like, the Georgia Bulldog, like, it's, like, Ugga 5 or 20 or whatever it is. Like, yeah. we would still be on Illabuck 1, basically, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I, have a long time. I, I just think it's a neat thing, and, you know, Illinois is terrible. We're going to beat the crap out of him. Ted Beckman's going to get fired. But who cares? It's a wooden turtle. It's awesome. And now we have the living embodiment of an Illabuck as a team mascot over at uh, Maryland in the Big Ten. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of, I don't know, they they probably think that they should be playing for the Illabuck at this point. No, but no, no. Um, not going to happen. Not going to happen, newbies. Um, is there any residual uh, worry on your part about JT Barrett's knee going into this game against an upstart Illinois team that just defeated Minnesota? Yeah, well, in Minnesota, that's not that's honestly not a bad win for Illinois. No, it's not. It's a good win. Yeah, that's. I mean, Minnesota's been pretty darn good this year, and they're not. That's they're not chumps. So, I a little bit maybe. I, I think they'll probably just be more conservative with him rushing the ball. I mean, obviously, <laughs> our our running back core has has been somewhat depleted in the past couple of days. Um, I'm not super worried about it. I think they'll probably just try to, to keep it in the pocket as much as they can. But, you know, if he could do what he did in overtime on that knee, and, you know, I, I think he'll be all right. It's a it's a sprain. It sucks, but I think he'll be fine. Just as long as they don't ask him to, like, step into some throws, which, you know, maybe might become necessary, but I hope not. Uh, I think he'll be all right. Uh, so it's his left knee, right? I think so, yeah. And it's so that's not the plant leg so that he can still drive the forward and drive right. the ball, which is good. Um, 
Illinois' defense has been a little bit of a dumpster fire. Well, not a little bit. It's been a pretty pretty big, raging dumpster fire. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think we'll probably throw the ball a lot more, try to get the ball out into space to the uh, receivers and backs and, and um, H hybrid position guys. Um, yeah, those little bump passes think, will probably feature a lot, I think. Illinois is a pretty good offense. I think it'll be a, a decent challenge for Ohio State's defense. I think that defense can still get better. Um, a lot of people had an issue with Eli Apple allowing a touchdown, but I thought receiver made a heck of a play. Um, they're like, well, Eli Apple's not turning around. Well, you're not supposed to turn around in that situation because then you lose where the receiver is. Right. You're supposed to you're supposed to play the guy's hands, and when the ball comes in, try to rake it out. That's what he tried to do. Um, and Apple, I thought, had a, overall a pretty amazing game. He had a he had one play. Actually, the play before the touchdown, he made an amazing play where he was the only guy on one side with two receivers, and it was a screen. It was a bubble screen, and he destroyed the blocker and made the tackle yeah. right at the line of scrimmage, and I, I thought he played pretty well. Um, so we'll see how the defense stacks up uh, against the Illini attack, and um, we'll see you later. You can peace out, Tim Beckman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel I feel bad for the dude because I know Tim Beckman. You know, he, he looks like a guy who just tries so hard. Um, but man, they have been bad, uh, and he he will not have a job for much longer. I don't think. All right, let's talk about Rod Smith a little bit. Uh, yeah. Some shenanigans this week. Uh, Rod Smith has uh, left the team to deal with personal issues, says Urban Meyer. Um, Eleven Warriors had a little bit different take on yeah. why he left the team. Um, you know, kids gonna kids are gonna be kids, right? I mean, this is gonna happen. It, it doesn't matter that you know a drug test is coming or whatever. You kids are still gonna do dumb things and think they're the ones that's gonna get away with it and not get caught, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I was talking with a coworker about this today. Like, I. I'm not gonna. I'm not in a moral panic about this, right? Like, I'm not like flushing up my pearls, going, "Oh, Rod Smith, how could you smoke marijuana?" Um, mm-hmm. But I'm also like, I understand that there need to be consequences, and I also understand that this is definitely not Rod Smith's first offense. Um, right. Like, you don't get kicked off the team for one, you know, positive drug test. So, yeah, I, you know, I think there has to be a limit, and it's not necessarily about drugs at a certain point, or at least. You know, if it were about heroin or cocaine or something, then obviously, yes, it would be about drugs. But I think with things like weed, I think it becomes a, I need, you know, and this is me speaking as a Meyer or any coach on the team, we need to exert control over the players and make sure that they understand that we're the authority in the locker room and they aren't. Um, Uh And I think if you, like, repeatedly failing drug tests is kind of like a, a middle finger to the coaching staff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we are trying to help you out. We want you to be successful. We want you to do well on this team, and you keep putting yourself in a position to not be successful, despite us like cajoling and and teaching and you know trying to like help you out. Like at a certain point, like I understand. Believe me, as a teacher in an inner city school, I understand the the desire to want to cut bait at a certain point. And be like, look, I have tried everything I can. We need to try something else for you as a person. And maybe the stress of being on a football team isn't something that you need right now. So again, I am I in a moral outrage? Like I'm outraged that you know kids are smoking weed when you know probably ninety percent of college kids have thought about it or have friends or have done it or whatever. Then of course not. But it, it becomes to me a discipline issue, and you know I think Rod Smith just kind of ran out of chances. 
Yeah, it's it's, un, it's unfortunate. I think um, eats a little bit into Ohio State's depth at running back, but I think we'll see more Curtis Samuel now. Uh, it gives a chance for guys like um, Dunn and Ball to step up and get more playing time. Although Dunn's been a little banged up lately, um, and you know we'll we'll see what becomes of Rod Smith down the line. Uh, certainly, he didn't. I think it's fair to say he didn't make the most of his opportunity at Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, why don't we move now, Johnny, on to uh, ask us anything? It's our uh, favorite part of the show. It is. And we have a new way, a new way for you to ask us anything. We have an all-new Dubcast-specific email address. And, uh, Johnny, why don't you tell them about that? Yeah, so you need to, like, write this down, memorize it, um, you know, tattoo it on your arm, just basically anything that you need to do to, like, get in questions to us on the 11 Dubcast. Um, so <clears throat> it's it's a li- it's simpler. It's much more streamlined. You can send us an email. Um it's just 11dubcast at 11warriors.com. Did I get that right? No, no, no. It's just, isn't it just dubcast? I think it's just dubcast. Okay, you're right. It's you're right. just okay. dubcast. See, I don't even, I can't even send us. It's so new that even we don't have it memorized That's right. Yet. I'm sorry. It is just dubcast at 11warriors.com. I take that back. I'm sorry, Michael. So D-U-B-C-A-S-T at 11warriors.com. No Gmail crap. Just dubcast at 11warriors.com. Um, yes. So spell out eleven. Yes. So spell it out. <laughs> everything's spelled out, um, and that's how you can send us any questions about you know life, love, universe, anything like that. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. Um, my Twitter account is Johnny Eleven W. Michael's is Eleven W underscore Michael. That's right. Now our first uh, letter comes to us from our first letter. Yeah, like I'm just pulled it out of an envelope. <laughs> we get first email. <laughs> first email comes from John Moore. Uh, has Tom Herman made a successful halftime adjustment in any game at OSU? I can't remember any. To me, that is the best indicator of a good game day coach. What say you? <laughs> uh, I think yes. I think there are plenty of times when he has done that. Um, you know, I, I can't think of them offhead, but I'm sure they must exist, right, Michael? Like that. Right. I, I'm thinking that uh, the, if I'm not mistaken, didn't we fall behind in the first half against Michigan State last year in the championship uh, game, right. and uh, actually made some nice adjustments and, and came back to take a lead in the second half before uh, yielding uh, some points there in the fourth quarter? I believe um, that we made some pretty good adjustments in that game, and that was a big game. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, though. I, one thing about Ohio State's offense in general under Tom Herman that I don't think you can fault is the fact that it starts really quickly. Um, and maybe if they're not playing from behind a lot, that's a good thing. And maybe you don't have to make a lot of halftime adjust- adjustments because you're doing so well that maybe they're not that necessary. So, yeah, I'm not really complaining about Tom Herman at this point. It's okay to have a bad game and every now and then calling uh, you know, plays and whatnot. So I'm not... I'm not freaking out about it. I'm sure he will make adjustments and, and things like that. And, you know... Honestly, maybe maybe this is being cynical, but like we don't want him to be that good because then we might lose him. <laughs> so <laughs> it's okay to have a crappy game every now and again, provided we keep winning the games. But it's okay to look a little bad because maybe we continue to have him and develop players and things like that. Uh, Denny Byington uh, has written us, and he wants to say, uh, hey guys, as the D continues to make improvement, I think we need more reckless speed from that side. <laughs> I'll... Steve Miller is holding his own in the inside run game. His quickness is lacking. Early pressure and the quarterback is missing. I've watched Holmes do a creditable job in relief, but he has not been turned loose as far as being disruptive. His size and length are perfect for pressuring the passing game. Your thoughts or awareness? It's, yeah, I think it's a really interesting question. Um, I think depth is something they definitely struggle with on the defensive line. 
because their starting guys are, are incredible, obviously, but they've had some disappointment with certain dudes. I mean, like Tommy Shutt, for example, would be in a, you know, would be a pretty good uh, candidate for a guy who maybe hasn't lived up to his billing. Um, it, it's, I think they're just trying to find solutions in certain spots. And I, you know, I think it's a good example of that right there where we do need maybe more, some pressure outside and, and the loss of, of, uh, you know, no offense, no yeah, really uh, impacts that a lot, and I think that's part of it. I think the coaches are just trying to find answers right now. I thought Steve Miller played his best game as a Buckeye the game before last. I thought he was really disruptive and, and yeah. did a very good job on the pass rush, and uh, he didn't do as well against Penn State. But I, I don't think that he had a poor game. Uh, Urban's made it pretty clear that if the freshmen are ready to play, they're going to play. Right. And so Holmes may not be reading things correctly in practice or doing the things he needs to do to to get more playing time. But I do think that Holmes will be a beast. He does look like, he does look the part. He looks like a young Noah Spence type. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's a big guy. Um, let's see what he got here from Shaddy Swade. Uh, hey guys, with all the third and one situations that our guys faced at PSU that they weren't able to convert, I feel like running every single play out of shotgun or pistol formation has really made the offense too predictable in short yardage situations, especially with a big quarterback like Barrett, not to mention runners like Rod Smith, not anymore, or even Cardell <laughs> Jones in some packages. Don't you think they could benefit from running under center once in a while and keeping the defense honest? In the last two years, they could get away with it because the running style of Miller and Hyde, but not so much with this group. Thanks, Shaddy and Suede, MSMPH. Uh, Shaddy, I'll, I'll start with this one. I'll say that I think, to me, I think that's overblown. I don't think it matters if the quarterback starts under center or three yards back where he's closer to the running back. I think it all comes down to execution by the offensive line. And Penn State has a very good run defense. Right. Uh, so I think that played into it. I think where we get into trouble for me is anytime we try to go fast, because I think that for whatever reason it, it bothers the player's rhythm and it just doesn't seem to work when they try to go quick on those third and ones. That's my take on it. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of both ways. I don't I agree with you that I don't think it matters that they uh, are in shotgun or pistol or behind center or whatever. I, I don't think that really makes a huge difference. I will say that I think we're starting to see the effects of not having a guy like Carlos Hyde in the backfield where it wouldn't matter where he was handoff to, you know, he's going to plow through the line and get the yards that you need. Regardless, it, it really, I think comes down to personnel sometimes. And, you know, I don't know that the hurry up really matters so much. I just think you need to have that wrecking ball occasionally and that mentality. And I, I also think that the, um, the offensive line can be inconsistent through the middle you know, like the interior of the line just sometimes needs to step it up. If you're trying to get third and one, like that's obviously going to be the focal point uh, a lot of the time. So I think a lot of it is on the offensive line. And I would hope that, you know, Ezekiel Elliott can kind of develop the skills to be that kind of back. Although I don't I don't know if that's really the game he wants to, to have. So it'll be interesting to see who they end up picking on to kind of do those things going forward, especially if JT Barrett is a little nicked up. Um, yeah, it's going to be he's not a big guy and he's really not. I think the sneak kind of dude you want back there. So I, they got to find somebody and it'll be interesting to see who they pick. And uh, last question we have here, Johnny Gregory Metz says, here's the Halloween lightning round. So you guys are quick. <laughs> okay. Number one, favorite Halloween movie. Uh, uh, I'm doing really good on this lightning round. Uh, <laughs> Ding. <laughs> what is yours? 
I'm going to go Halloween 3 because it's ridiculous. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to go... Uh, Hilariously ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going to go... Oh, God. Uh, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. How about that? There you go. All right. <laughs> Favorite candy? Favorite candy. Um... <laughs> these are these are major life decisions for me, Michael. It's you're, hard for me to do this you're, quickly. You're bad at this oh fast. Oh God! Uh, what are they called? Uh, jaw, uh, duh, duh. They're the jawbreakers. They're the little, the easily eaten jawbreakers. What are those called? Easily eaten. Yeah, you can just eat them. They're real easy to eat. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, whatever. Jawbreaker. Okay, I'm. Okay, well, I'm going to go with uh, peanut butter M and M's. Oh, good. Uh, number three, scariest college football coach. Oh God, Mark D'Antonio. Looking in his eyes is like looking into the like Ragnarok or the apocalypse. Like he's he's freaking terrifying. I'm frightened by Bert. Bert <laughs> Bielema because he just looks like uh, the Blob. I don't know. He's scary looking to me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you've seen him shirtless, probably. You've seen that. Oh yes, I've seen that picture. That yeah, yeah he's definitely scary. Yeah. So thanks, Gregory Metz. That's Ask Us Anything. You can hit us up every <laughs> week, and all you got to do is email us at dubcast at 11warriors.com or hit us up on the Twitter. That's right. Gobstoppers. Thank you. God. Gobstoppers. All right. Now, uh, so, you know, write to us. Ask us anything. Gobstoppers. All right. Joining us now on the Dubcast, very special guest, Ohio State recruit from Athens High School quarterback Joe Burrows. Joe, how you doing tonight? I'm pretty good. Joe, I, I wanted to uh, first of all congratulate you on uh, on picking a school. I know that that the uh, recruiting process is long and can be, you know, confusing maybe at sometimes and and difficult. But uh, you are you've pledged yourself to the Buckeyes. I want to congratulate you on that and uh, ask you what you thought of your whole process. Yeah, it, it started out pretty slow. Um, I was only getting looks from Mac schools. Here and there, I'm, I'm, I live in a, a in a small town in a small school, so I think it took a while for my name to get out there. But once it did, I started to blow up a little bit, and I felt Ohio State was the right place for me. So what was that? I mean, I'm actually really interested in that because I've I've followed um, a couple of current Ohio State Buckeyes who were in a similar situation that you were, where they they didn't get a lot of attention until Ohio State came knocking. And how 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 much has that changed? Since then, I mean, who who have you been soliciting calls from uh, after Ohio State kind of uh, knocked on your door? Yeah, around the time when Ohio State offered, I was hearing from Alabama, Tennessee, Ole Miss, those kind of schools, and Ohio State was the first one to offer, so I took it. And then since then, I've only really heard from Alabama, and <laughs> I told them I'm a Buckeye. I'm comfortable with my decision, and I'm not really interested right now. <laughs> that's good to hear. That is very yeah. That's very good I hear to hear. They can be very persuasive in some in some. <laughs> so, uh, what was your what was your visit like to Columbus? What what really uh, stuck out to you and, and made you um, excited about Ohio State? I would say how how close all the coaches are. Um, they're all they all seem pretty good friends. They they interact with the with the players really well, and they're really good recruiters and really good coaches. So what kind of I mean I think coaching is is really a big deal. And we, we've talked to some other recruits uh, from your class, and one of the things that always jumps out at me when I think about it is is maybe like the experience that a uh, a student athlete thinks that they'll be getting in college. So 
how do you like envision yourself being used at Ohio State as a quarterback? Like, what kind of quarterback do you think you would develop into there? I would say I, I would develop into a, a thrower that can run if needed. I can run the occasional zone read or scramble and get 15 or 20 yards, and get a first down. Um, but I would love to stay in the pocket if possible. Yeah, I've seen your highlight tapes, uh, and I, I have to say that um, – you know, people that say you're a passing quarterback. I think you got some decent wheels, and I think that you're one of those guys that's deceptive at the point of contact because you seem to always go forward uh, when contact is made. Uh, are, are people sleeping on your running skills a little bit? Yeah, I think they definitely are. Uh, late in late in the playoffs, I always hear from the quicker teams, "You're you're a lot quicker, a lot faster than we thought you were." And I, I always just say, "I know everybody thinks that, um, but I do have some." some decent speed and agility. So, you know, you talked a little bit about, like, getting calls from other colleges and stuff, and what about, like, Ohio State, the college kind of appealed to you? I mean, you're, you're an Athens kid. Now, obviously, Ohio University is close, and I, I know that um, you've got some family connections there. Um, what, what really drew you to Columbus? I would say just the opportunity to win national championships. Coach Meyer has won them before. He's proven that he can do it, and I couldn't turn down a chance to do that 60 minutes away from my hometown. Let me ask you, Joe, were you, um, what, what is your uh, major going to be, and, and what are you thinking of in terms of your degree and that kind of thing? I'm, I'm really not sure right now. Um, I'm thinking about pre-med, pre-law, that kind of stuff right now, but I'm into physics too, so we'll see. It's kind of wide open as of right now. Well, one of the things, this is uh, something that we always talk about too. One of the things that we think about when we look at uh, recruits is how you guys are communicating with each other. So have you been in contact with any other recruits, like trying to get them to come up to Columbus? Yeah, um, we've got most of the ones that I've been talking to already. Um, I was talking to Justin Hilliard before he committed, Jay Sean Cornell before he committed, um, trying to still trying to get Damian Harris to come to Columbus, still trying to get Matthew Burrell. Um, but as far as the commits communicating, we talk all the time. We have a group chat we communicate in, so it's pretty nice this day in age with technology to get to know your future teammates before you get up to Columbus. Yeah, that's an interesting thing about uh, recruiting in this day and age is that you guys all sort of get to know each other before you even arrive on campus. Who are some of the guys that you've gotten close to and have been um, like a bigger part of your life since this whole process began? I've gotten to know uh, Nick Connor pretty well since he committed when he committed when I was on a visit, actually, um, during the summer, I watched him work out a little bit, so I've got to know him pretty well. So, for Ohio State fans who maybe don't know a lot about you yet, uh, what are some things that you think you really excel in uh, as a quarterback? Um, I would say the long ball. Um, we do that a lot here at Athens. We 
have two six four receivers, so we like to throw it up to them and give them a shot to to go make some plays. You have to be excited, John, Joe, when you when you see Tom Herman's offense and you see it roll up 500 yards and 50 points uh, four weeks in a row like they did. That has to, you know, make you excited as a guy who's about to enter that system and learn how to play in that system. Yeah, definitely. They've been rolling lately. Um, I'm excited to be a part of it and, and show what I can do when I get a chance. Yeah, and that's and that's really the thing because I think a lot of Ohio State fans like at the quarterback position. I know that's a uh, a situation where you know everybody's like just really anxious to see who the next guy up is. Um, by the way, what what is your take on the the current quarterbacks at Ohio State? How do you feel about J T. Barrett uh, kind of lighting it up? Um, you know, as early as he has. Yeah, he's been playing really well. Um, I'm happy for him. He he has gotten a lot better over the season. I've watched him progress and take the take offense to pretty pretty big heights and hopefully he can continue it and live into a playoff appearance. Who were some of the guys you hung out with on the team while you were making your visit uh, that made you feel welcome? Um Nick Burnett, I hung out with him a little bit. Um when Chris Clark came to visit, I went up and hung out with those guys, but uh, other than that I, I really haven't spent too much time with the current players. Yeah, well, it'll definitely be interesting to see how that, you know, ends up playing out when you when you end up on campus. So uh, I guess I just want to say really, you know, good luck you know, for the rest of the way, and it, it was really good talking to you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Joe Burrows from Athens High School, quarterback of the future at Ohio State. Uh, we really thank him for, for being on the, the Dubcast this week. And, uh, again, like Johnny said, best of luck to you the rest of the way. Thank you. Thank you. All right, have a good night. You too. Bye. All right, well, that about wraps up another uh, awesome 11 Dubcast. Uh, but before we get out of here, I want to thank, again, our guest, Joey Burrow. I think I mispronounced his name because I'm stupid and tired. Uh, but it was great having him on, jo- uh, Johnny. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> – I can be <laughs> Joe Burrow too. Uh, yeah, it was good. And, and here's the thing. Like, the, the Ohio State staff is super high on that guy. And I think it's not without reason. Like, he is a, a very interesting prospect, and it's going to be really, really cool to see how he um, how he will develop, uh, especially in the system that, that Meyer set up. So it was really cool talking to the guy. It was really neat. Johnny, before we get out of here, we're going to have a little last question for you. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Halloween's coming up. It is. I'm very and- excited. Yeah, I mean it's a great it's a great holiday unless you have to think of Halloween things quickly. Uh, then it's a little you know difficult. Look, I I those are important things in life, Michael. I need to give them my undivided attention and consider them to the fullest extent. All right. I'm, all right. We probably need to just dedicate a whole dubcast to that oh and God, just put I that off to another day. I know you can. <laughs> um, but I'm going to ask you about Halloween, and I'm going to ask you who is the scariest Buckeye costume you could wear on Halloween? The scariest Buckeye-related costume that you could yeah. wear on Halloween. Um, uh, that's interesting. Maybe, like, the corpse of a dude who died in the snowball, you know? Like, just have, like, desiccated <laughs> pieces of flesh, like, just falling off your body. And you're, like, wearing mittens and, like, I don't know, you look like you look like the dad from Rudy. You know, at the end of the movie where he's like all bundled up, but you're just like chunks are falling off your face. I think that would be pretty like, gross. 
blackened with frostbite yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, so like kind of like a frozen zombie um, Ohio State fan kind of thing. Yeah. And honestly, I got to tell you something. I was really sad. I had the opportunity to get Indiana tickets last year, and I didn't get them because you know it's freaking Indiana. But it snowed, and I'd never been to a game where it snowed significantly at all. And like, I'm I'm kind of sad I missed that. I think that would have been neat. Yeah, it's I, I've been to some games with some light flurries, but never like real accumulation on the ground, you know. Right. Um, and I've been to a lot of games where it was just too damn cold to snow. It was like, okay, it's thirty below. This sucks. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, <laughs> and those those games have their charm to them too. I I think for me, scariest Buckeye related costume after seeing him use a running back as a weapon would be Joey Bosa because um, <laughs> I have never seen anyone use a running back yeah. as a weapon. Uh, before Saturday night's uh, final play. Uh, but that was pretty impressive, and it got me thinking, what other things could Joey Bosa use to sack a quarterback with? And I'm not really sure. I was going to put like this visual you know, picture, slideshow kind of thing together for 11 Warriors, and I, I just ran out of time to do it. But uh, you know, there was going to be stuff like, you know, I don't know, just random stuff like wheelbarrows and um, bales of hay and things like that. What, you know what, what I would what like else see can him do? I, I'd like to see him like take a piece of field turf, like a carpet in a like a Looney Tunes cartoon, and like shake it really hard so the quarterback goes flying once like the ripple hits him. I think that would. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like it's a wave. Like he, yeah, he just rips yeah. he just rips the artificial turf right out of the ground and just you know flings it, and then the, the quarterback goes flying when that wave hits him. Exactly. I think that yeah, would like be great. A, I think he could do that. <laughs> I bet he could. He probably could like just rip off a big square and like wrap the quarterback up in it and like carry him <laughs> down the field for a safety kind right. of thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I have to admit I've I've been watching football a long time and I don't and you know you see guys push push uh, blockers into the quarterback from time to time but that was just done with such force it was like it, it, this it, poor running back yeah it seriously looked like a big brother like beating the crap out of his little brother just like and the little brother just standing like i didn't sign up for this and then just get completely <laughs> destroyed like it looked it look, honestly it looked like it's something from space jam you know where one of the monsters is like beating up like daffy duck or something it was it was bad um <laughs> But you know that's that's it was good for us, and you know it won the game, and mm-hmm. it was cool. It was definitely a cool thing to see, and yeah, Joey Bosa. It's really funny. I watched an interview with him after the game. The guy was exhausted. Like he, oh yeah, and he, you know, he talked with Kyle. Joey actually tweeted at Kyle about his about the article that Kyle wrote, um, and kind of offered a few modifications to what he said. I personally think Joey Bosa was just so tired that he was like, I'm not putting any finesse on this. I'm just running at the quarterback and seeing what happens. Uh, I can only imagine what went through his mind where he, he was supposed to take on the guard and the guard slid one way and the tackle slid the other. And right. all of a sudden he's got, he's got a free run. And only thing in between him and the quarterback is a running back. This, I'm not, I'm not going to say Akeel Lynch is a puny guy by any stretch of the imagination. I'm sure he could like throttle me, but he was no match physically for Joey Bosa. No, not not at all. Not at all. So, yeah, that's that was a pretty scary sight, and I, I hope we see more scary sights, ooh, coming up. Um, but, you know. Yes, feel free to frighten us some more this uh, Saturday night, Joey. Um, and, I, by the way, best sack celebration ever. That's right. No, God, darn right, man. <laughs> it, it's great. Like, meh. <laughs> like that, the emoji that's shrug. How, that's right. That should be your reaction to second. Just like, meh, meh, okay. Meh. <laughs> Welp. Welp. <laughs> there you go. The welp. Yeah. 
So anyway, there you have it. That's our dubcast for this week. We're going to hopefully skewer the Illinois Fighting Illini on Saturday and come back with an all-new show for you next week uh, prior to the Michigan State game, which is something everybody's got circled on their calendars and maybe are erasing that circle after the Penn State performance. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But we'll be here to talk to you about it next week. One thing we do want to mention, we are back on iTunes, so if you downloaded us, uh, through SoundCloud, and you'd rather do the iTunes thing, you can look us up there. We're the 11 Dubcast now. And uh, you could still use the uh, Soundcast, uh, SoundCloud app as well. That's right, and we'll have the link in the uh, the post so you, for your, your pleasure. If you, if you somehow clicked on this and then didn't realize or look at the links that are immediately below this, <laughs> if that somehow escaped your attention, just, just go ahead and pay attention to that. That'll, you know, that'll help you out. Well, some people just go directly to the good stuff. Oh, they, just, they don't even read the stuff that we type in there that we spend, you know, an hour pouring over and thinking about. <laughs> sure. <laughs> they just, yeah, they just, they just go straight for the good stuff. So, um, yeah, you can check us out on iTunes or SoundCloud. And, um, you know, it's the 11 Dubcast now on, on the iTunes. Uh, but until next week, I am Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. And we're going to peace out. That's right. Woo! Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.